The Cardinals lose to the Brewers again on Sunday. We'll recap the entire weekend and figure out what went wrong in Milwaukee. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern. I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan. And I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio and follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, many other places as well. Also on YouTube. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, be sure to do that. Like, subscribe, comment. That way you can interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Uh, Happy Easter to all of you. Uh, This is why this is coming out so late today, because we had Easter stuff. So hopefully you enjoyed some time with the family if uh, Easter is something that you celebrate. Let's talk some baseball. And... um, After thoroughly getting outplayed by the Atlanta Braves, the Cardinals began their first road trip of the season this weekend against the NL Central rival Milwaukee Brewers. This was a chance to make up some ground, not only in the division, but also a chance to kind of right the ship, so to speak, against another playoff contending team. Uh, The Braves are really good. The Blue Jays are really good. Uh, You just kind of got embarrassed by the Braves. So you, you want to start feeling good about yourself again because the Braves... It made us look pretty bad. Uh, on Friday, the guys get shut out four to nothing. That's not a great start. Uh, Brewer starter Brandon Woodruff had his way with the lineup. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, so it's going to happen from time to time. Um, but that's not how you wanted to start the trip or the weekend by getting shut out, right? Uh, then on Saturday, you get a bounce back game in a big way. Uh, you get the guys jumping on Brewer starter Eric Lauer early and often as they hand the shutout sandwich right back to Milwaukee and uh, blank them six to nothing uh, behind a great outing by Jordan Montgomery. So now you're split one, one, you take Sunday's game. You're feeling pretty darn good about yourself. You got a chance to win the series. They send Jake Woodford to the mound uh, against another top starter though, for, for the Brewers. No, it was not Corbin Burns, but it was Freddie Peralta who is pretty much their number three guy in the rotation, had kind of an off year last year due to injuries, but has been a pretty good starter over the years. The Cardinals have actually hit Peralta pretty good in his career, but today was a totally different story. He tosses six innings, allows just one run on four hits while striking out seven. He did walk three batters, and the Cardinals did have guys on throughout the game, but were consistently unable to to get that big hit when they needed it. Uh, the one time they did score was on a Jordan Walker RBI single in the fourth to cut the lead to two to one. But then Kisner whiffs again because <laughs> he's not a good hitter. And Edmund lines out to left and the damage is kept at a minimum. So uh, the team ends up threatening later on in the game in the seventh inning against the Milwaukee bullpen with the game still in the balance. Only three to one at the time. Uh, the team gets uh, two outs uh, with two outs. They get Alec Burleson to get a walk. Goldie singles. But then Nolan Arenado strikes out to end the threat. Right guy. Right time, wrong result. Then in the bottom of the seventh, the Brewers blow the game open against Andre Palante. You get a Christian Yelich solo home run. Then they get two singles. Then there's a wild pitch. Then there's a two-run double. All of a sudden, we're looking at a 6-1 to ball game. And the Brewers have a very good bullpen. So 
you're kind of screwed after that. Uh, but the Cardinals, in my opinion, no deficit should feel like it's ever insurmountable when you have the kind of lineup that the Cardinals put out there. Uh, they should be able to put runs on the board consistently against anybody, any team, any bullpen. But twas not meant to be <laughs> on this Sunday. They did threaten one more time, big time, actually, again, in the eighth inning. They load up the bases with nobody out, and Wilson Contreras pinch hits for Kisner. But unfortunately, he gets the same Kisner-like results, striking out on a fastball uh, up in the zone after being actually ahead of the count, two to nothing. So you thought maybe, you know, this would be a, a defining cardinal moment for Contreras, but he ends up striking out again. Right guy, right time. Wrong result. Uh, then Edmund gets ahead in the count three to one. He flies out softly to left field. Still nobody scores. And then Taylor Motter pinch hits for Donovan after the Brewers brought in uh, a new pitcher. And he goes down on strikes and the Cardinals strand the bases loaded. So just devastating. Absolutely devastating and inexcusable for an offense of this caliber to have the bases loaded and nobody out and not push one run across. Not one. On the mound, uh, Jake Woodford last just four and two-thirds innings, gives up three runs on six hits. He strikes out five. It's not a horrible, horrible stat line. It really isn't. But four and two-thirds innings, you, you want to get six innings out of these guys, right? Um, you know, when, when you can hold Milwaukee's offense to three runs in Milwaukee, which is a, a great hitter's ballpark, it's kind of a win. But at the same time, you got to get more length out of the starting pitchers. Woodford, clearly much better than his first start, but again, nothing special here either. Uh, to his credit, he did keep the team in the game. It was three to one when he exited before Palante got knocked around in that seventh inning. Um, the Cardinals go one for 10 with runners in scoring position today and strand 12 runners all together. They had their chances to break through, but two of their best hitters in the lineup, Nolan Arnato and Wilson Contreras, just didn't come through. It just did not work out for them today. Your best players, they have to produce. They've got to produce in those spots. And when they don't, you're going to lose, plain and simple. And that's going to happen for most teams, not just the Cardinals. Uh, if any time your three or your five guy is up in the order and he's got a lot of guys on base and doesn't come through, you're likely going to lose those games. This loss drops the team to three and six on the year, and they're now currently in last place in the NL Central, a game and a half back of the Reds and the Cubs, four games back of first place Milwaukee. So up next, we're going to uh, kind of recap the entire weekend. We'll give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about this weekend in Milwaukee, and we'll do that next on on uh, Locked on Cardinals. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience by collecting, buying, selling, and even competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you get to still own the cards, and there's no cost to play, which is great because... Who wants to pay to play, right? <laughs> Plus, the more you win, the more you advance collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. Uh, you might have seen the ads with uh, Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez on opening day, uh, doing the commercials for So Rare, two of the best 
young talents in the game believe in these cards and will actually engage with the so rare community throughout the season at MLB events. So you'll have a chance to interact with those guys, uh, get to the top of their leaderboards and you can win a variety of rewards, which includes so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise. You've got signed jerseys, VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars could meet your favorite player. Who knows? Head to so rare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S O R A R E.com. That way you can draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup and start competing today to win those epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. It's now time for the good, the bad, and the ugly segment, which is something that I like to do following each series if uh, we have time to squeeze it in there. So let's start with the good. I like to be a positive uh, person when it comes to this show. I know the starting pitching has been a bit suspect, right? So far this season, and we knew it was likely going to be this way. But the numbers for the starters this weekend wasn't all that bad. Sure, not elite-level stuff. Well, Jordan Montgomery had a great game. But putting it all together, not elite-level stuff, okay? But this is not an elite-level rotation. So when you see good stuff, you got to point it out. Jack Flaherty on Friday, he gets through five innings, which is great. Which uh, I, And here's another thing. I don't really want to start making it a habit of patting these guys on the back for getting through five innings because that's not even the definition of a quality start. You're supposed to go six innings and give up three runs or less. That's a quality start, and he didn't do that. But at the same time, this team is three and six, and uh, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> so I want to give credit to Jack for once again battling through the walks. He had six more of them on Friday night uh, over five innings. He only gives up two runs, though, four hits, strikes out three, and he gave the team a chance to win, which is what you want from your starters. Uh, the walks, clearly very disturbing, of course. Seven in his first start, six here in his second one, which ties him for first in the league with the Marlins' Edward Cabrera at 13 walks already this year. Clearly not a stat that you want to lead the league in, but I got to point it out because it's part of the part of the uh, whole thing here. Um, and for Flaherty with 13 walks, this is not sustainable. Jack Flaherty cannot walk six and seven guys a game and keep them from scoring the way that he's been able to do it so far. Eventually, it is going to blow up in his face. But credit to Jack, his ERA is 10th in the NL right now at 1.80. So that's a positive, and that's what we're pointing out right here. So don't give me any grief over it. Uh, Jordan Montgomery looked amazing on Saturday. What a game. Tosses seven shutout innings, allows just three hits, punches out nine while walking just two. My first reaction, and I'm sure it was of a lot of Cardinals fans, go sign this guy immediately because everybody else kind of stinks right now. We'll see what ends up happening uh, moving forward. Uh, remember, at the end of spring training, Montgomery said, nobody's talked to me about an extension or anything. I I'd be more than happy to, but they didn't approach him. So this was the risk they took, that if Jordan ends up having a big year, that they're going to either lose him or they're going to have to pay out the wazoo to keep him around. But uh, a, a dominant performance, uh, a performance that this staff needed and hasn't gotten so far through the first week and a half, I believe it is the only quality start that any starter has made for the team so far. So pop the champagne, baby. Let's go on fire. But in all seriousness, uh, Montgomery, he wasn't that bad against Toronto. Good enough to get that win. And then the game uh, on Saturday gave him a 2-0 record, his ERA 2.25. You love to see that. Then you got Jake Woodford on Sunday. Didn't go long, which I pointed out, but kept them in the game while considering what this offense is supposed to be capable of giving up three runs and four and two thirds 
gives you a chance to win. It's supposed to. I, I know you want better than that. I know you want better than that. I want better than that. But this is what we're working with right now. So three runs in a little under five innings out of our starter after what we've seen so far in the first nine games. Not the worst thing we've seen, right? So for the weekend, the Cardinal starters go 16 and two-thirds innings. They allow five runs, 13 hits, 17 strikeouts, ERA 2.71. Yes, Jordan Montgomery had a lot to do with that. But at the same time, when each starter left the game, the team was still capable of winning. They were they were still in that game. Jack comes out with uh, giving up two runs, uh, Woodford three runs. Th- those aren't huge numbers that this offense should have a problem with catching up with, but they did. And that's why the bad this weekend goes to the Cardinals offense. Outside of Saturday's game, completely neutralized this weekend. Shut out on Friday, six runs on Saturday, but then one run again on Sunday. The team... This particular team is not built to win two to one, three to two ball games. They're not. They're built to win games that are five, four, six, five, seven, six, and so forth. And if the offense cannot muster up more than what we saw on Friday and Sunday, then this team is going to be in trouble and they're going to continue to lose games. You go back to the Atlanta series where they scored just three runs in the final two games combined of that series, and guess what? They lost them. Yeah. So when they don't score, they're going to lose because they don't have the horses in the rotation to stop the other teams from scoring any runs whatsoever, at least normally. Jordan Montgomery, the exception on Saturday. Uh, Friday, the offense goes two for six with runners in scoring position. They leave eight guys on base. Saturday, two for eight with runners in scoring position, leave 10 men on base, but still win. Sunday, one for 10 with runners in scoring position. They leave 12 men on base. So I add those all up, five for 24. With runners in scoring position, that's a dismal 208 batting average. 208, that's horrible. And 30 men, 30 men left on base this weekend. Not ideal for a team that doesn't have elite pitching in their starting rotation. And we'll even take this a step further with the ugly because that's how kind of gross this offense was this weekend. It deserves credit for both of them. According to Rob Rains at SDLSportsPage.com, in their last six games, the Cardinals have scored in only nine of 54 innings and scored multiple runs in only three innings, two two-run innings, and the one four-run inning in their only win in the last week. And that was on Saturday night on two-run home runs from Arnato and Walker. Over their last six games, the Cardinals have a collective 204 batting average, nine for 44, with runners in scoring position. It's not good enough. That's not good enough, and this team is supposed to be much better than that. They are also fourth in the league in grounding into double plays with nine, which is not a great stat. Ironically, the Braves, who just kind of beat the hell out of them in that sweep, uh, lead the league in grounding into double plays with 13. So maybe it's not as big of a deal, but it just kind of stood out to me that they had already done that nine times, which is, you know, rally killers. Um, Some other notable things that stood out to me going through stats. uh, Brennan Donovan, two for his last 16, that's a 125 batting average, has only walked twice this season. That's an issue, especially with him batting leadoff. Two walks and 33 plate appearances. His on base percentage is down to 273, while last year he was at a 394 clip. If you're going to bat leadoff with Brennan Donovan, he's got to be walking and getting on base in other ways except for getting base hits. And he's not doing either of that right now, which is a problem, which is, you know, could be one of the reasons why the offense is struggling the way it is. It certainly has something to do with this next stat. Paul Goldschmidt, your reigning NL MVP, has two RBIs on the season. Two. One of them was himself when he hit a home run. 
That's awful. Your number three hitter has two RBIs through nine games, and he's the reigning NL MVP? The Lars Newbar injury has something to do with this, I think, as well, because you've had to have, uh, what, Alec Burleson batting second ahead of him. And, you know, Burleson's a nice guy and a, a nice hitter, but not enough is happening on the on the base pass in front of Paul Goldschmidt. He's got two RBIs. And then Tyler O'Neill, my man, Tyler Broneal, zero RBIs since opening day. So eight straight games the Cardinals have played, and he has zero RBIs. That's an issue as well. Uh, one guy who has been producing, and I have no problems with whatsoever, is rookie Jordan Walker. He and Ted Williams now have something in common. I'll tell you what that is next, and we'll give you the latest on the injuries to Packy Naughton, Adam Wainwright, Lars Newtbar, and everybody's favorite, Paul DeYoung on Locked on Cardinals. The NBA playoffs are almost here as we wrap up this week, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Promise you, it's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. You know how many stats there are in NBA games, assists, rebounds, triple doubles. And of course you can break things down as well because FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with a same game parlay. So you can do a bunch of little bets, smaller ones. And if they all come to fruition, you make more money, which is great. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, you can stay on the team, Jordan Walker. My goodness, has the 20-year-old star rookie impressed a lot of us? I'm certainly impressed, and I, he's making his name well-known around the league. He's become a key cog in an offense that you know had a rough weekend at the plate outside of uh, Saturday. Uh, his RBI single on Sunday made Walker the only player 20 years old or younger other than Ted Williams to get a hit in his first nine games of his career since 1913. That's a long time ago. He is now leading the team in hitting at 353. He's tied for first in home runs with two, along with Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan. By the way, Nolan Gorman having a great start to the season, too. Uh, I don't want to gloss over him. He's, he's looked fantastic at the play, and he's taking those walks, which is great. Um, Walker tied for first in RBIs on the team with Nolan Arenado at eight. Uh, he said this to MLB.com's John Denton after Sunday's game. That's pretty cool to tie Ted Williams, but uh, I did want to win today, and I'll keep working to get some wins in the future. Gosh, love hearing that. He continued, though, personally, I don't want to think too much about the hit streak. It's literally literally just doing my job at the plate. I go up with an approach, and depending on the situation, it could be a different approach every time. I don't really think about the hit too much, really. I, I'm just trying to get the job done with whatever puts the team in the best scoring position. So Jordan Walker clearly uh, well beyond his age of 20 as far as mentality and how he's approaching things, and it's showing off at the plate, and uh, I couldn't be more excited about it. You hate to move him in the lineup, but is it time to scooch him up and move Tyler O'Neill down? I mean, O'Neill's not doing anything. He's not producing in that six hole, and Walker's doing everything he can, so why not have Walker behind Contreras? We'll see if uh, Ali tinkers with the lineup a little bit in Colorado. All right, injury updates. We got good news on Packy Naughton. This is great. MRI on the lefty reliever's elbow revealed only a strain, 
no structural damage. Uh, they're going to proceed with caution. They're going to give them some rest and then move on from there. But clearly this is much better news than we all thought was going to happen when you saw what in the game and he had to leave and you heard about the numbness in the fingers. You're like, oh boy, that sounds like Tommy John. And I guess not. <laughs> I guess everything's clear. So great news on Packy Naughton. Adam Wainwright completed a 33-pitch throwing session on April the 8th. So that's Saturday at Bush Stadium and reported no ill effects from the growing injury that caused him to begin his final MLB season on the injured list. He'll throw another bullpen session of approximately 30 pitches on April 11th at Bush. If that session goes well, the club will then determine whether the 41-year-old will face hitters in a simulated game or is going to be sent on a rehab assignment to the minor league. So Adam Wainwright progressing, which is great because you want to get him back in the rotation and get everybody where they need to be, move Woodford back to the bullpen and get, you know, the way it was supposed to be. Uh, speaking of getting things back the way they were supposed to be, Lars Newbar has a plate since opening day. Cardinal scored nine runs and lost on that day, and uh, they haven't really had the offensive punch uh, without him in there. Um due to that left thumb injury that he got while he slid into third base. Scheduled to take batting practice with the team in Colorado on Monday, and if it feels good, could be activated immediately. Could be. Doesn't mean it'll happen, but could be. So he could be activated on Monday, maybe even Tuesday. And then Paul DeYoung, who's been out with the back issue since the spring, goes uh, <laughs> one for nine in three games with Palm Beach, and they're going to move his rehab assignment to Memphis on Monday. So he's going to go from Palm Beach straight to AAA and we'll see what happens there. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get stuck down there. They're going to keep him down there. Um I like the fact that Modder can play multiple positions where DeYoung is just a shortstop. I, I don't know if he has to be on this team or not. We'll see what they decide to do. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. Win your league this year by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy baseball knowledge possible. I always like when they go through about who are the next people that you should be picking up uh, for the upcoming week. Obviously, you want to get some pitchers who throw twice, and they're going to tell you which ones that you should pick up, which ones are, are a big no-no. Uh, they're going to tell you which waiver guys they, they like, which ones they don't, who you should trade for, and maybe, you know, Sell high, buy low on certain guys. They they do the whole spiel. So find Locked On Fantasy Baseball where you get your podcast and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cardinals will begin a three-game set in Colorado on Monday night. Steven Matz set to take the hill against Herman Marquez. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. Like and subscribe on YouTube. You guys are the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked On Cardinals. 